0: good morning today we're celebrating uh, Easter which is really exciting Uh, as you can see I'm not at uh, Crump Acres I am at Butterfield Farms this morning Jacob and I is really interesting. Bethy and I had been talking about earlier last week about uh, probably needing to start recording from home, but I was nervous about that um, because there's a lot of stuff that has to happen in order to make it go well, and Jake has been handling all of that for me, but he and I had kind of talked about it already, and he texted uh, Saturday morning and said, hey man, I've had to go out a couple of times this week. Uh, I'm great, but uh, just to play it safe, why don't we record at your house today? And uh, which was great because I was thinking the same thing. And so um, he loaned me a microphone, even put together a little video showing me how to use all the software. So really appreciate Jake. So this morning, as we um, as we get together, we're going to look at uh, Ecclesiastes chapter two, verses twelve through seventeen. And I'm really excited. I love when the Lord does this. It's going to point us in the direction of the cross today. But before we begin, I want to just pause for a moment. Um, I'm going to have you actually have you pause the video in a minute and do something for me. Um, I want you to do a quick pantry raid. I want you to find some things that you can use this morning to celebrate uh, communion for me it wouldn't be Easter without taking the Lord's Supper and so um, it can be anything whatever you have on hand you need something that is bread like and something that is liquid that you can drink okay so for bread you can use crackers tortillas cheese its cookies chips uh, whatever you happen to have around and for the grape juice or the wine you can use any kind of juice that you have you can use water kool-aid milk tang coffee tea whatever you have don't get hung up on the what because that part doesn't matter. and if you if you'll remember if you think back to uh, Exodus whenever they were leaving Egypt the reason they ate unleavened bread isn't because that's what they really liked it's because they were in a hurry they had to rush out and it says in scripture that their their dough was still in the kneading bowls it had not had a chance to rise and so they cooked what they had and they ate it and so for us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today we're kind of in a similar situation we are uh, in the midst of quarantine we're not supposed to be going out and so what Whatever you have just go gather that up and you if you're by yourself or your family can celebrate the Lord's Supper together today so I'm gonna pause for a quick you pause and go grab whatever it is that you have around and bring it back and we'll use it towards the end of our time together this morning so go grab it all right hopefully you did and you didn't just sit there and watch me stare blankly at the camera for a few seconds um, I want to, I want you to remember as we do this today um, that this is not about The elements that you're using this is about us worshiping and having an experience with Jesus so if you're being distracted by the fact that you have some graham crackers in front of you and not a nasty cracker from the church uh, don't let that be a bother enjoy your graham cracker this morning let's pause real quick we'll pray together and then we'll dive into our scripture okay let's pray father I thank you so much for this time that we get to spend with you with our families Um, and with our church body. God, even though we are physically separated today, I ask that your spirit would join all of us, that we would feel one another's presence as we join together in your word. Father, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds today to receive you and to understand your truth and understand who you are. Father, we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's dig in. A quick reminder before we start, put on your lenses as we Approach this book remember there's gonna be a heavy use of illusion he's pointing back to the Garden of Eden he's pointing back to the life of Cain and Abel Uh, and then also that word hebel that can be used in some very um, generic ways to mean specific things so just keep those things in mind as we go through this so we're gonna start today in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 12 through 17 so let's read together so I turn to consider the wisdom and madness and folly for what can man do who comes after the king only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes on his head, but the fool walks in darkness, and yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the end of the days to come all will have been long forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after the wind. So I want to say um, right here before we go any further I will never ever take for granted the people who click the buttons in the back to change the slides. Just so you know, my hands are here, wait, go this way, there's both of them, I'm using this hand to scroll through my text and this hand to click to advance to the other slide and also trying to stay engaged in the scripture. It's like trying to sing the alphabet backwards while rubbing your belly and patting your head. I love you guys who take care of that stuff every Sunday and thank you. Alright, so we're starting with verse 12 today. And we see that the author is trying to tie together these two different ideas that we've discussed over the last two weeks. He has fully pursued both um, wisdom on one hand and folly on the other. He spent the vast majority of his life pursuing the greatest wisdom that the world had to offer. And when all of that left him at the end of the day kind of feeling like something was missing, he decided to try chasing after what he considered foolish things. He spent time pursuing all that the world had to offer, both in pleasure and in work. And at the end of those pursuits, he realized that they both left him wanting more. What we're going to spend the bulk of our time on this morning is the second half of that verse. But I want us just for a moment to think about the last couple of weeks and, and, and how you might identify with the way you felt, how whether you've been working from home or you've just been hanging out with nothing to do because you're unable to work, how it seems like everything that was so important to us before maybe isn't as much anymore today. I want you to just identify with that for a moment and think about the fact that we really are blessed here, that we have a community of people that love us and a God that loves us, um, and that we don't have to endure those things on our own. But today we're going to look more at the second half because he says something that's very interesting. He makes this statement. He says, For what can man do who comes after the king? Only what has been done. I want to rephrase that for you this morning. I'm going to give you Will's edit version because I want to point out the illusion that's happening in there. There's a couple of key words um, that we need to see, and I'll discuss those in a minute. But here's how I would retranslate that. Um, Even though I'm not a biblical scholar, I want to say it this way so that you can understand what I understand for, for him to be saying. Think of it this way. He says, For what can we, the sons and daughters of Adam, do with the inheritance we receive from our father, Adam? Okay, these two, these two key words I want to point out here today in the original text are man and king. The word for man is Adam, as in Adam, the first man, Adam and Eve, okay? And then the second is the word for king, okay? So Adam, the first word, is literally pointing back to, again, this is allusion, pointing back to the Garden of Eden, to the beginning of man. So the, the author is saying, what can man do? What can any who come after Adam do, And the word he's using here for king, I want you to notice, is lowercase. It's not pointing to King Solomon or King David, but rather it's pointing to the idea of a person that sets policy, right? So think of it this way. A king, or as we might consider a lawmaker, decides the rules by which we live. In this way, Adam is also the policymaker in that he chose for all that came after him the kind of relationship that we would have with God okay so point number one I want to make today and then we'll digest this a little bit is we have all inherited death and separation from God I said God that's supposed to be Adam I apologize we have all inherited death and separation from Adam as the sons and daughters of Adam we are under his his leadership if you will by birth and we can't escape it part of the the ableness of life that we experience is the unfairness of where we, where and when we're born. right? Many of us are, were born into very stable families with parents that loved us and they were financially able to take care of us. On the contrary, there have been billions of kids throughout history that have been, not been born into the privilege um, that most of us know and, and understand. And the same way that we don't get to decide when and where we're born, we also don't get a choice on our sin condition. Right. Look at me with Scripture and how it describes what we're born under. In Psalm fifty-one, verse five, it says this: "Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity." Whoop. Skip this slide. Here we go. "Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me." In Romans five twelve, it says: "Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned." We are just like Cain and Abel. We're born under condemnation, all of us, right? Remember when we started this series, we looked at the end of this book, and we saw that the conclusion that the author comes to is that to love and obey God is, is where it's at. That's what life is about. That's what it means to be human, right? The author also searches out all wisdom and follow we discussed a minute ago, and he's searching because there's this unquenchable thirst for something inside of him. And he finally discovers at the end that nothing that this world has to offer is going to quench that thirst. What he's seeking is what was lost when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. He's searching for the missing piece of life, which is a relationship with God as it was originally intended. We experience that same loan. All humans do. And just like the author, we're searching in this world in hope of finding something that will fill the void in our lives we're looking for something that will take that will make us feel whole and it's our separation from God that caused, that's caused by sin that is nagging um feeling that we that we feel in our spirits this sense of something is just not quite right and and unfortunately there's nothing in this world that can scratch that itch right the only thing that will make us whole again is a relationship with God through grace that's provided by Jesus. So point number two I want to make today is that God provided a way to repair what was destroyed by sending Jesus to live, die, and to be raised to life again. Look with me at Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 26. It says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith is Jesus Christ. I skipped one. I'm sorry. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to receive by faith. This is to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over our former sins. It was to show the righteousness I did it again. I'm sorry. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Okay? Now, now that you've been distracted, let me bring you back. Okay? What we need to to understand, what we need to know is that we have access to Jesus, right? We need to understand that we've been given the thing that the author of Ecclesiastes was searching for, a way to be near God, Right, that's what was missing in his life, and and yes, God was available through the temple, but not like we experience it now. We need to we need to understand that that we have the Holy Spirit that's been made available to us through Christ's death on the cross. But the author of Ecclesiastes didn't have that. All of us, just like the author, are born under sin. But God, because He loves His creation, made a way to fix the brokenness that's in our lives. Romans five eight says this. But God shows His love for us that when while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Many of us, while living in an isolation, we dip down to these feelings of loneliness, of fear, of unworthiness, uh, of shame because you're not working. And that list can go on and on and on. And I think that in that respect, as we read the words of the teacher, that we can identify with the feeling of heaviness that life has, right? Of temporariness, of brokenness, of, of, of the fact that it's just going to wisp away one day. Right, we, we feel that all of this is just meaningless, and in the end, it's not really going to matter. Look with me again at verse 13 through 17. The author says this. He says, I saw that there was more gain in wisdom than in folly, and there was more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness, and yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Look, it's easy in the midst of our separation not knowing how long it's going to last, to let our perspective wander. We, just like the author of this book, we look at our current situation and we think, what's the point, right? Like It feels like life is on pause for the foreseeable future. And it's easy to to consider and to think for yourself that, you know what, I'm just going to let this time pass. I'm going to just tune into Netflix and binge watch everything I can binge watch until this is all over, and then I'll reconnect with God and with other people once this is over. Today, though, I want us to to allow the Holy Spirit to wake us up and to celebrate this incredible gift that we've been given, the fact that we have something that the author of Ecclesiastes never had. God has made a way for our relationship with Him to be restored to the way that it was intended for us to be when He created us. The sin that separated us from God has been placed on Jesus, which allows us, once again, to draw near to God. Isaiah 53, verses 5-6 through says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us look jesus willingly took the punishment that we deserved right He did that in order to restore what was broken by man. He can choose or we can choose to look at this time of isolation as a curse or we can see it for what it really is. It's a blessing, right? We have the opportunity during this time and we've talked about this a lot. We have the opportunity during a time of isolation to pursue God in a way that we've never had time before. Like think about how many times, I said this a couple of weeks ago, you've longed and you've said, Jesus, if I just had more time in my day. Well, look, here it is. Look, and you may think that due to kids or work or other obligations that you don't have time, but I was sharing with somebody just this last week the fact that like, I've literally gained a couple of hours every day that I would usually spend just driving to work or working late because I was there and needed to finish it, right? Because I'm working from home, I'm very stringent about when I start and when I finish, and as a result, I've made more time available than I had when I was driving to work um, to and from the office. And look, if you have kids, I know that it's hard, right? I got five in my house, but they're gonna be asleep for like a solid 10 to 12 hours most of the time. Adjust your schedule just enough so that you can spend some of that alone time with God, the one who gave everything for us, right? Okay, and then the last point that I wanna to make today is that living in the light of, of Jesus is all that we need. 1 John chapter 1, verse seven says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Listen, we don't need to feel alone. Even though you may physically be alone, we don't need to feel that way. Even though we are physically distanced from one another, we're connected by our relationship with Jesus. If we allow ourselves the time to spend one-on-one time with Jesus, it changes our perspective on literally everything. I don't know about you, but because I have to make an effort in communication, I found myself much better at it these last couple of weeks than I've ever been before. This pandemic has forced us to really utilize all the tools and the time that we have available to us. I was telling Jake and Maddie last week that in my time as pastor, like I've never been prepared to to deliver a sermon on a Saturday afternoon, but because things are different right now and I need to record on Saturday afternoon, I had to change a few things and be more focused throughout my week. And now I'm doing what I previously would have thought not possible. Listen, if we will allow Jesus to define our lives, to set our schedules, things much greater than just a schedule change are going to happen. All of a sudden, our perspective is going to change. The way we love people is going to be changing. The way we love our children, the way we love our spouses, the way we love the rest of our extended family is going to change because Jesus is changing who we are on the inside. What we'll discover is that when Jesus is at the center of all of it, there's nothing that he can't accomplish through us, right? Right? If God's love is gonna be in a broken world that has to happen through us and we have to be living in the light in order for people to see it today as we kind of round out our time together I want you to spend some time in prayer reflecting on the salvation that's been made available to each and every one of us I've always really loved um, celebrating Easter mostly because of the time of year it is right I've always thought that, like, and, and you may identify with this, you may think I'm crazy, but it really seems to me like there's nothing greener in this world than the leaves on Easter morning. Like, the, the drive home, I live right next door to my childhood home, and when you come down Stewart Lake Road, there's a curve in particular as you're coming down, and the, the trees kind of overhang the, um, the roadway. And every year coming home from Easter, I was always in awe of how green everything looked in that moment. And it seems like for whatever reason that Easter morning is the greenest of all mornings. I don't know if that's true or not. That's my perspective. Okay. But this time of year, all of God's creation is reminding us of the new life and the new beginning that's provided for us through the resurrection of Jesus. Okay. So this is a time of renewal for all of us, not just for the plants and for the flowers outside, but for us as well, that as we're in the midst of Of feeling this isolation that there's an opportunity for renewal with us whether you have a relationship with Jesus or you don't if you've been a believer for a long time if you're a brand new believer if you're still not sure what you believe renewal is available for us and Jesus has made that available because of his death and resurrection listen this morning as we've talked if the spirit has prompted you or you feel a stirring in your heart or just some kind of feeling you can't explain I want to invite you to just pause the video for a minute and just pray Talk to God. Tell Him exactly what you're feeling. Tell Him that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He lived and died and was raised to life for the forgiveness of your sins. Ask Him to forgive you and then commit yourself to follow Him. Right? Go ahead, pause the video if you need to, and just take a moment and just spend some time in conversation with God. Listen, if you prayed this morning to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to congratulate you first of all and welcome you into the family of God, but I also want to encourage you to talk with someone about that decision. It can be me uh, or you can reach out to a life group member or a life group leader, but let them in on that part of your life. Allow them to pray with you and to walk with you as a new believer. They're going to give you some great insight into, um, into what it means to, to be a believer, but also um, some things you need to be aware of because the enemy is going to attack when that happens. But I don't want to go too far in that direction. You can talk with your life group leaders. You can talk with me about it. Um, but I want us to to take a moment this morning before we close, and I want us to have communion together. So gather up all that pantry raid stuff that you got a while ago, whatever it happens to be. For me, you grab my stuff. I got uh, some Ritz crackers, right? That's the Lord's crackers. And uh, a glass of iced sweet tea. That's what I'm having this morning, okay? So, we're going to read this together, and then we'll take communion together. So, we're going to start in Luke 22, yeah, right there, verses 14, and we're going to read through 16, and then I want to say a few things. It says this in 14, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I want to pause right here, and I want to point out what Jesus said to the disciples. He says he has earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with them. Look, Jesus knew what was coming, and his mind was not on his death, but on sharing this meal, right? This meal is the beginning of God breaking the curse that had been on man from Adam all the way up until this moment. God is doing a new work that would change everything, and Jesus could not wait to share this moment with these men that he loved, right? And and here's the cool thing is Jesus has that same feeling about sharing this moment with you right now this morning. As we take these random things that we found in our pantry and we read these words and we obey the commands of Jesus, we are sharing in a moment, a moment in which one man gave life for all of us. So I want you to put yourself in that mindset this morning. As we read the rest of this passage, I want you to imagine that you're you're sitting with those disciples. Because in this moment, Jesus with is with you right now, sharing this moment. So let's read. Let's continue on verse 17 and go to verse 20. He says this, And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And then he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which has been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then likewise, the cup, after he had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, and is the covenant in my blood. Okay, so look, in obedience to Jesus today, we're going to take this bread, okay? I'm going to take my Ritz cracker, and I'm going to take my sweet tea. Take whatever you have. And let's eat and drink in and remembrance that, that this is the body that was broken for us. And this was the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So let's take that together this morning. Don't watch me while I eat, it's weird. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for doing what we could never hope to accomplish on our own. You took it upon yourself to come for us, not out of duty, but but out of love. You broke the curse of sin and shame that ruled over all of creation. You tore the veil that separated man from God. You made a way for man to walk in the garden with you again. You restored the brokenness of our lives. We look forward to the day when you return and all is made as it was meant to be. But until that time, Jesus, we follow you, we will obey you, we will pursue you, and we will love you with everything that we have. Jesus, is in your name that we pray, amen. All right, so for a little bit of fun, here's what I want you to do, get on your Facebooks, um, and I want you to uh, go on there and share at the bottom of this video. Just comment and tell everybody what you used for communion today. Okay? And there might be a prize, and there might not be. We'll see what happens. All right. I don't want to share any germs. Um, life group leaders, a reminder: write some of these questions, or write some questions after you've listened to today's message, uh, and use those to spark discussion with your life group. Uh, I want to remind everybody, don't forget to send in your offering, you can do that with the Faith Life app, you can mail a check if you know our P.O. Box number. Uh, If you don't, holler at me and I'll get it to you, or Anna can give it to you. Uh, Or you can also send a check through your bank through like online bill pay or something like that. Again, if you need the address, hit up me or Anna. I just want to remind you too, not that you need it, but just a reminder to pray for one another. Um, Pray for the people that are fighting the coronavirus. Pray for our doctors and nurses and EMTs that are on the front lines. Um, But then also pray for the leadership of our state and for our country as they try to help us navigate what this is going to look like uh, for the next couple of months. I love you guys. Y'all have a happy Easter. Bye.